Hello, welcome into the Big Ten preview show here on your favorite football podcast. Um, last week, race when we dove into the ACC side of things, but you know we started out with the conference that I'm more familiar with. But we're gonna go to your territory in the Big Ten with you, obviously being an Ohio State fan alongside Arizona State. But you're also you're you're a pretty big Ohio State fan, so you know as well. But the Big Ten, it's kind of a it's been in the news because we touched on it on the ACC side of things, but we're really going to take a deeper dive into it with the news coming out a couple of weeks ago that USC and UCLA were going to be joining the Big Ten Conference. Um, now that it has time to kind of settle in the news, because when we ta- first started talking about it, it was pretty relatively new. So now that you have time to think about it, sit on it, sleep on it, I mean, what are your thoughts sitting here today about those two teams joining the Big Ten Conference in the future? Um, and my thoughts haven't changed from when we talked about it last week, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I, I still think that it's I, – I, I'm not a fan of the move still. Um, just based on the fact that you're taking a Midwest Conference and then you're adding – two Western Conference teams. Um, I mean, I don't know how you look at it if you're a UCLA or UCA or a USC fan, but I can't like. I know for for me, like if Ohio State goes to the West Coast to play U, uh, UCLA, and it's not a marquee game, if it's listed as seven o'clock, well, that's ten o'clock here. So I mean. That's not something I'm a huge fan of, and I'm and, and you look at USC UCLA fans. The flip side of it, it's the same thing with them. Is that uh, you know they're used to to having their games noon time for for them, but if they have a noon game at, at Michigan State, that's going to be nine o'clock for them. Yeah, I mean the time the time differential is a pretty big. Um question mark that they're gonna have to answer once the move officially happens because no nobody on the east coast i mean unless you're a diehard of that team and even then it's gonna be difficult to do is if you're playing on the west coast like at usc it's gonna be hard to stay up till 10 o'clock at night you know try to watch your team play especially i hate to say it it's times where there are times where um like Arizona State won't have a, a game until eight o'clock, which again then is eleven o'clock here. So how many times are we going to run into that with these these current Big Ten teams right now? Um, that let's say Michigan goes to play UCLA at eight o'clock their time, it's eleven o'clock our time. Who's going to really want to stay up to watch all that? It's going to, like you said, it's going to be difficult because yeah, I want to watch Ohio State play, but if they're playing at 11 o'clock at night, like, you know, now granted for me, that means it's football from uh, noon to God forsaken two two thirty in the morning. But if I have something to do the next day, I'm not going to be able to get a ton of sleep. And that's just, I'm not going to say it's going to ruin it. My, my, my Sunday then at that point, but that means, you know, I'm only going to get, a few hours of sleep before I, I get up and do what I need to do before NFL Sunday starts. Right. And like I said earlier, when the news first came out too, is I think they're going to eliminate that. They're going to try to eliminate that time thing because 
if you're going to have those two teams come in, then you got to look at the recruiting aspects. You got there's a lot of television deals. But one thing that you know I did a, a lot a deeper research on, and initially when the news came out, I understood USC move because it's a high that's a historic program with a lot of prestige, market, you know the changes over there with Lincoln Riley coming in. Um, that is a great move for USC. And that's always a team, when you think of Pac-12, you think of USC just because of the history of it, right? Even though they haven't been in the, in the mix the last few seasons, um, they they have been still one of those get, like marquee names in that conference. Now, I know they went to the conference championship in the COVID, uh, in the COVID year, but, but still, I mean... But they never really – they haven't won the conference since, I believe, the Sam Darnold year when they went to the, the, Pac- yeah. the Rose Bowl and had that epic game against Penn State. But the UCLA thing really makes zero sense to me because if you look at the Big Ten as a whole, there are so many average to subpar teams in that conference already. And I hate saying this about UCLA because I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but that is one of the that – they're – Average to subpar. I mean, if you look at their records from, you know, the last eight seasons or so, I mean, the last time they had back-to-back 10-win seasons was 2013-14. to And I get it. 10-win seasons, that is a good accomplishment because it's still a double-digit win season. But if you look at the from 2016 to now, they've had two eight-win seasons. And that was 2015 and this past season um, in 2021. In between those, you had a four and eight, six and seven, three and nine, four and eight, three and four, and eight, and and then the this current with the eight and four. That is, you know, along the same lines as the Rutgers. That is along the same lines as the Maryland's. That is along the same lines, surprisingly, on the like Nebraska. I mean, that is worse than I mean, Illinois was five and seven this year. So those are the same lines as Illinois. And then I, I just don't know if. If you hear all this talk, right? You hear all these things where eventually we're going to go to two super conferences with the SEC and 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 all that, right? The the cloudy mess that is college football today. The Big Ten, if yeah. this, if they're really going to try to make themselves a marquee conference, whenever that does inevitably happen, I hate to say it, but you need to bring in teams better than UCLA, and you need to probably shed the Rutgers, the Marylands, and the and the and the uh, Illinois of the world, because those teams aren't going to help you catapult yourself as a power conference and the future of college football. Again, no disrespect, but it's just look at the last 10 to 15 years, and then there's your answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, uh, I mean, I think it's a nail on the head. It's just going to depend on you know how especially – when it comes time, you know, the cold weather really starts to hit. You know, these USC UCLA players are used to playing in the hot pretty much all season long. To are now again, like I said last week, they've got to come in now to the Midwest in October, November, and you're you're looking at snow. You're looking at you know thirty two degree weather. It's not going to be easy for them, and so it's they're definitely going to have to figure out a way to possibly manage because, I mean, you, know, you and I know and the fans know that a ball gets hard 
it, it gets harder when it's in the cold. It's not easier to throw. It's harder to hold on to. So I think that's going to be a big challenge for USC and UCLA, especially in the first five to six years. No, it's going to be a major adjustment, especially when those critical games down the stretch happen in those weathers. Not only do you have that, that weather environment, then you got the pressure of the outcome of the game, what that that lies, you know. So it's going to be interesting to see. I think, like I said, I, I love the USC move because of the fact that it's going to give you those big games again, right? It's going to give you the USC, USC Ohio State. Then you're going to get the USC Michigan. You're going to be able to see the USC Penn State. So you're going to be able to see the USC Wisconsin. But again, yep. I'm just curious of what's going to happen in the Big Ten Conference going forward because, I mean, if you look at the Big Ten Conferences, there was only – let me I'm counting them off now. One, two, three, four, five teams with, the losing, with a sub-500 record. And then outside of those teams, you had one, two, two, seven, and sixes, and then three teams with nine wins. And then you had four teams with ten and plus. Again – not sniffing at the 10 and over because that's pretty impressive. And I mean, double digit win season is a double digit win season. But the fact right. that out of the whole conference, I believe it's like, what, 14 teams now? Um, yes. Out of the 14, four, you can make an argument that we're really competitive. And then the last 10 are average to bad. I think going yeah. forward, that's going to have to change just because of the, land, the college. Football landscape's changing. But, so, but I'm curious to see what's going to transpire in the distant future. And maybe not so distant. I mean, depending on how rapid this thing this goes. But I'm curious to see what the, what they're going to do in the future to try to booster their, I don't know, the. I'm looking for the word, not credibility, but booster the, the, the strength of this conference, for lack of a better term. Right. Right. No, I, I, no that, that's that's the right word to use. Um, an, another thing that, that USC, UCLA are going to have to deal with is when they go into places like Northwestern, Illinois, <coughs> excuse me, Illinois, Iowa, um, where it gets really windy. Like if they're not, if they're not playing in the cold, there's a good chance. It's probably going to be a really windy day that can really affect not only the flight trajectory of the ball, but also the flight trajectory of, of, uh, a few goals. Yeah, and we've seen that quite a bit of times through history when when you go travel yeah. to, you know, even the NFL, look at when teams go to Chicago, the wind, and even Lambeau to a degree, I mean, in Wisconsin, the wind, I mean, that time of year gets really windy and really changes the way you have to play the game. So that will also be an aspect because you're bringing an air raid offense to those elements, which I know Ohio State has those elements, but they also have a pretty good ground attack, which they can go oh. to. Which who knows what the who knows what USC and UCLA are going to be in that you know in two years, especially with everything going right. on. But let's get to right. current day, race. So let's talk about the twenty twenty two season. Um, we're right on yep. the cusp of it. This is the last month without without college football. Um, yep. And man, does it is it seem to be dragging along? Yes, yes, it does. I mean, it, it's only what today of recording. It's it's only the tenth. And we still have a little while in August then left to go too. So it's it's getting rough for uh, for crackhead football fans like you and I. Oh, it for sure is. But one thing that's getting us through is talking about what can happen, right? 
Wait, and that's pretty yeah. much what all this time is, what can happen. Um, especially because I think everyone's getting tired of talking about the NILs. Everyone's getting tired of talking about the mergers and all that. I think people just want to talk about yeah. what they're they're going to see, right, on the field. Um, believe it or not, this yeah. is still a football game. Uh, it's played on a gridiron field, uh, you know, a 100-yard field, you know, um, and not in the in the conference rooms merging and whatnot, which – I get it. That's the landscape we're in, but I'm going to talk about the game here for a little bit. So last season we saw a pretty, you know, Michigan winning their first Big Ten conference in a very long time. I think it might have been their first Big Ten title since the championship game was instated. Um, and yeah. that was going back to early 2010s. Um, beating Ohio State first time under John Har- uh, Jim Harbaugh. And then Iowa making their appearance in the Big Ten title game as well. A lot of it was kind of a weird season last year in the Big Ten, um, but if you look at it going into this season, a lot of shakeups. Right, Michigan lost a lot of talent on their team. Ohio State lost some key guys, but they still have some youth that they're going to lean on this year. Um, Iowa, who knows what Iowa is going to be because they always have those stints where they look really good and then something they take a step back. Is Wisconsin going to get back to regular form? Um, there's a lot of unknowns when it comes to the Big Ten Conference this season. Yeah, there are. Um, I mean, it's it, there are a lot of unknowns, but it still seems like it's going to be the same Big Ten uh, that we've seen in the last you know, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have Ohio State, Michigan towards the top, and you're going to have – Penn State, Michigan State fighting for that three and four spot. And then you look at the west side of, of, of the conference, it's always a shakeup between three teams, whether that's Wisconsin, Purdue, or Iowa. And and here recently, it's just been um, Iowa and Purdue because Wisconsin, they haven't been able to find their niche. Now, they, they have made some title games, but none of those three teams going into the big 10 championship game ever really, in, at least in my opinion, it never really feels like a team from the West is going to win. It's always going to be Ohio state, um, Michigan, like they did last year. Um, if Michigan, if Michigan state or Penn state were to even go into the big 10 championship game and play a team from the West, I'd have a better feeling about them winning it than again, opposed to a team in the West. Yeah. I mean, just because the talent gap is so much different. I mean, you you mentioned like a Northwestern, right? Northwestern is kind of one of those teams where they go through their four-year gaps. They they have a really good season. They strap back from two or three and then come back for a year, go back. Um, and then so they'll be in the picture once every four years. Um, Purdue is always in that eight to nine win range, right? Wisconsin usually used to be in the 10 to 11. Now they're hovering that eight and nine as well. And then really Minnesota finished second in the West last season with a nine and four. And then obviously Iowa, you know, went on that roll. They were up in the top five in the, in the nation at one point last season. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, usually when I think of Big Ten, I'm looking at that East, right, the Michigans, the Ohio States, the Michigan States, the Penn States. Those are your power – those are your consistent four, I like to call it. And they're all in the same division. So that division is fun to watch um, because you just – it's a dogfight all the way to the end. It's, it's just – Who's going to be tougher in the month of November, which is why the Big Ten is so exciting because that's when you get those Ohio State-Michigan States matchup usually. The Michigan-Michigan States, the Ohio State-Michigans. Um, you just don't really have that in the West because there isn't those elite teams, right? You look at the Big Ten West, 
the best team in that division was the, the Iowa Hawkeyes at 10-4. and four. And then there wasn't another 10-win team that, that way in that division. But then you have three 11-plus in the, in the East, which I think that makes a crucial difference when it comes to impact of games in the month of November. No, absolutely, absolutely does. I mean, I've, I'm, I'm, you know, looking at research for today. Um, I mean, because I, I, I imagine, because I, I didn't get a, a show prep for you, so I imagine we're going to run it based like we did the ACC. Yes. Um, okay, so I, I mean, I'm looking at, at some like stats and whatnot. And it's for me, it's hard because now. Without trying to sound too biased, uh, obviously I think Ohio State's going to retake that, that number one spot for Michigan. They're going to be back in the Big Ten title game, barring anything unforeseen like injuries. But again, I, I still think Michigan's right there at that number two spot. Uh, as long as Harbaugh can keep them afloat. I think that he's not making the right decision by keeping uh What's his name? Who, what's the quarterback's name? I'm trying to see. Uh, McNamara. I, I think he's making a mistake not starting um, J.J. McCarthy over McNamara because I think McCarthy is so much better of a quarterback. He, 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 he can throw really well, and he has that aspect of he can run, and he, he can use his legs if he has to. McNamara is not that quarterback. He's a sit-back-in-the-pocket, hand-the-ball-off type of guy to our J.J. McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy can, can ruin your day in Yeah, I mean, and to the point where they used him in special packages last season to have that ability to get out of the pocket. Um, and you need that in every every play now in college football. Very rarely do you see that quarterback just step back and throw the ball all over the place. Um, if you look at, you know, the, the, right. the elite quarterbacks you see, I mean, going into this year, you look at Bryce Young. What, is he, what can he do? He can He can maneuver. What well, C.J. Stroud, he can maneuver. Brendan Armstrong, Virginia last year, who was one of the – actually, believe it or not, in the top five in the passing yards last year, he can also maneuver. Um, very rarely can you get a Mac Jones to sit back in the pocket and throw the ball everywhere and, with pinpoint accuracy. That's just not how the game is anymore. Um, even last year, look at Georgia. Stetson Bennett might not have the greatest arm in the world, but what was one thing he was able to do? He was able to get outside the pocket and make something happen when he needed to. So – yes. I agree with you. I think McCarthy is the guy you have to roll with this season. And I think that eventually they will go to him. I mean, I think they'll give him the first, uh, you know, McNamara first couple starts. But then I think you'll see McCarthy eventually. Um, you know, you're kind of bringing my point. Cause I don't, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know because, I mean, Jim Harbaugh, he's set in that old coach mentality of, you know, this guy, you know, he does well enough. Uh, He's going to be the starter as long as, you know, he's not hurt, as long as he's not injured. Um, I mean, his his dad was that way. Uh, his brother isn't that way. John Harbaugh is not that way. Urban Meyer was that way. And it, it's just that old coaching way mentality of, hey, you know, if this guy is getting the job done, then why why would we change it? I mean, McNamara helped lead him to the to a, to the playoffs last year. Why would we change it? If it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it. Yeah, I mean, I get, I hear what you're saying, but man, that the performance that they had though as a whole team, right? It wasn't just you know the quarterback and oh no, absolutely. It was the whole team in that Georgia game, that playoff game. Like if you go in and don't want to make like get better from that, 
then I don't know what to tell you. And I'm sure Harbaugh wants to improve on that because he's a competitor. He's a good coach. And I think, you know, and let's just call it what it is. Michigan's schedule early on, really till about mid-October, is pretty lazadaisical. I mean, you got Colorado State, Hawaii, UConn, Maryland, Iowa, depending on what Iowa you're going to get, but it's at Iowa, so it's always a tough atmosphere. And then Indiana. Like, that's a pretty easy schedule when you look yeah. at it. And then, obviously, from then on, you got two back-to-back with Penn State Michigan State, which you have a bye week in between, and they're both at home, which makes that a little bit easier. And then Rutgers, Nebraska, Illinois, and then Ohio State in the finale. So, if you're, I think, really, you can roll with McNamara, but if he struggles against Iowa – and struggles against Penn State, you might need to go to McCarthy because Michigan State's always tough and Ohio State's always tough. And those are going to be crucial games down the stretch, you know, when it comes to can they repeat as the Big Ten East champions and go back to the Big Ten title game. And because I think, like you, I don't think you're being biased at all. I think Ohio State's looking primed to take back what they lost last season. Because they just have the better talent. They have the better talent all around. They got the better quarterback. They got the better receivers. They got the better defense. I, I'm really curious to see what Jim Knowles is going to bring to that defense. Um, but, Rachel, I mean, we are talking about Michigan, but what team do you think can make the – what What team is going to take the step back, right? I mean, I, at first glance, you probably think of Michigan because of, you know, losing David Ajagbo, losing Aiden Hutchinson, losing, you know, Hassan Haskins. They lost a lot of key guys last season to the NFL draft. But, again, they're not my pick, but I want to hear what your pick is when it comes to team most primed to take a step back in the 2022 season. Uh, so, I thought Michigan, but, again, okay, you know, after we were just talking about it, um, I still think they can be primed to be uh, um, a 10-win team. At the lowest, I'd say nine wins. Um, which is it's lower for them than nine win, but still it's it's good enough to keep them somewhat in the mix. Um, but I think the team that's going to take the biggest step back this year is going to be Iowa. I mean, Iowa lost they lost probably the best center in the draft in Tyler Winterbottom. Uh, their good running back Tyler Goodson, uh, he he's gone now. Uh, so it, it's going to be tough for them to try and rebuild, especially where. Linderbaum was at, I mean, obviously one of the best offensive linemen in the in the nation last year. So I think they last year they only averaged four and a half yards per carry or per play and only 23 points a game. And I think that's going to decrease quite a bit this year. I, I, I mean, they may only end up averaging 3.9, four yards per play and maybe only 17 points per game. It's going to be difficult for them. I mean, they like like you said earlier with Northwestern. They have their flashes. They do. They look really good, but then they do take the a few steps back in certain games when they if they the thing with Iowa is if they find themselves in a hole early on, they'll try and scratch and claw. But you can only do they they only do so much of that before they realize it's not working, and then they just take it and be done. No, and and. Ironically enough, Iowa's my pick as well. Um, because if yeah. you look at everything you just said, but also you lose Tyler Goodson, who was who had a, over a thousand yards rushing last year. 
You lose Dane Belton, who had your most take interceptions last year. You lost a lot of talent this this past season in the draft. I mean, it was a very veteran group. I think that's what contributed to their success last season. But if you look at the mm-hmm. quarterback situation, that's scary. I mean, Steve, you know, I want to say uh, Petrus is coming back, if I remember correctly. Yeah, so he'll be back. I believe so. Yeah, he he was he was a he's a junior. So, but if you look at his stats, I mean, it's pretty. Uh, wow, it was a, he was under two thousand yards passing. He had ten touchdowns with nine interceptions, sacked twenty four times. I mean, if you really want to get into it, he had eighteen hundred eighty yards through on the ground. Tyler Goodson had just under twelve hundred on the. I mean, it was that's terrible when when you look at the you know the quarterbacks are just even average. They're getting about mid two thousands to low three thousands. He's not even breaking that two thousand yard barrier, which I guess they didn't need him. They don't. They didn't really. He. I don't think he was capable of doing that. I mean, if you look at the big games where they need him to make step up and make that play, he just never did. He kind of crumbled. Um, Iowa as a whole didn't even have three thousand passing yards. I think the next guy was Padilla, who came in for you know a little while and had just under seven hundred, but. I think the losing of the veteran leadership going forward is really going to hurt Iowa. And their schedule, man, it's – I mean, you look at it, it's not daunting, but there are a lot of matchups where it's like, man, that's going to be rough. Like Iowa State, they they play Iowa State, you got Michigan, you got Ohio State, all before the month of October's end. And then you got Wisconsin, Minnesota, they're back um, – you know that I think they have a bye week. No, back to back weeks in late mid to late November. So again, I think it's gonna look a lot like last year, but maybe a little bit, couple more other losses where Iowa looked really good against South Dakota State's and Nevada's, but I don't think they're gonna go and beat the teams like Michigan, the Ohio State. I don't think they'll beat Purdue. I don't think they'll beat Wisconsin. They might not beat Minnesota. You could see a lot more losses this year if you're the Iowa Hawkeyes because. You lo- you're you're having to recoup a lot of that talent you just lost. No, oh, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, I and I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't even know if they can beat um, Minnesota because I mean they're going to be playing at Minnesota this year. They, they play at Ohio State, at Purdue, at Minnesota. Now they do have Michigan, Wisconsin, and Nebraska at home, but again, those those you could lose two of those three games. Yeah, you can lose two of those, and and you might, and you could potentially lose all of them. Like that's the you thing could. because because really we don't know what Nebraska is going to look like because Nebraska nope. early like there's some times last year you like man Nebraska's looking really good. I mean, uh, case in point that Ohio State game. Now, granted, that was more of a tale of one half for Nebraska because they looked really good in that first half and that second half. Didn't look like the same team was he came out of the locker room. It looked like you had the New York football giants go in the first half, and then the little giants Disney movie came out for the second half. So, <laughs> so that but that's the ultimate question mark. And Nebraska's always kind of has been that question mark, probably since the Amir Ab- yeah. the Abdullah days at running back, and even before then, like the early two thousand tens, late two thousands. Well, so I'd say the um, after. Amir Abdullah left Nebraska is really when they started to falter because, um, I mean, if you if you think back, you had in the Big Ten championship game you had a great running back matchup uh, between uh, Melvin Gordon and then 
Yeah, I just lost his name. <laughs> Amir Abdullah. Yeah. He had a great running back matchup in that Big Ten Championship game. Um, now, obviously, Wisconsin just went out there and straight dog-washed Nebraska. But... All right, James. Uh, I, who do you have taken the biggest jump forward this year? Biggest jump forward for me, if you look at the Big Ten, I think. Again, it's really hard because, like we discussed, I mean, the, the bottom of the barrel teams last year were kind of they're always in the bottom of the barrel. Um, but I think if you look yeah. at it, I, I think Northwestern will take the biggest jump. I, I don't think they'll take the huge jump, um, but again. Penn State, I mean, they're not they're not going to go much more than were last year. I don't think I don't think Maryland's going to go further than what they were last year. Rutgers, they were what they are. They're a five one five six one football team. Indiana, I think they still got some growing to do. But I'm going to put my eggs in the Pat Fitzgerald basket. I think he is a very good coach that I think a lot of programs would love to have. But he's so loyal to that Northwestern University that. There, he is a guy that he installs attitude. He installs discipline, and you see that you know in the football program. I mean, they were just in the Big Ten title game what two years ago, the the twenty last year, I think they played Ohio State, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the COVID season. Yeah, so but they're kind of like that, you know, Indiana. They're going to have those probably a couple more years for their back than that, but. I, I think they're going to go from like three to six probably. And I, honestly, that might be the biggest jump in the win total throughout the whole conference because it's the, the Big Ten is kind of like the ACC, but they're this they're a little bit more noticeable. It's you have a really good top, but then you have a really bad bottom. And they're really not much in between because those in-between teams, you might have one that surprises you, but then the other team, the other ones are like, man, that's kind of pretty – Average for Penn State be seven and six, right? Um, yeah. If I had to go strictly biggest jump based in the win column, I think it's going to be Northwestern. Okay. Okay. Um, so my the, the team I think is going to make the biggest jump. It's all going to have to depend on how how well this guy can come back from his injury last year. Um, I think if this guy can stay healthy, then his team very well could win the West. I'm taking Muhammad Ibrahim and the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Okay. I mean, again, you, you, you lose a guy who was slated to be one of the best running backs in the nation last year gets hurt in week one against Ohio State, tore his Achilles. If that doesn't happen, you know, we're possibly looking at Minnesota versus Michigan in the Big Ten Championship and Muhammad Ibrahim being in the conversation for the Heisman. Now, it's not all going to be on Ibrahim. Now, looking at Minnesota's, some of their stats last year on the defensive side, they were second in the Big Ten in scoring defense. They, they were allowing about 17 points per game. And they they were fourth in yards per play for defensive-wise. Oya have given up maybe about a little under five yards per play. So defensive-wise, they did lose some key guys like Boy Mafe. 
But I think that they're going to be able to position some of their guys that are starter are going to be starters this year, position them to where they're going to be able to put themselves in a, a great chance to possibly win the West. Now, I'm, I'm looking at them, trying to pull up their, their schedule real quick. If my phone would load. Uh, so they start off the season at home against New Mexico State. Uh, they play Western Illinois. And they play Colorado. So a three-game stint at home. That Colorado game is going to be tough because it always seems like Colorado has the Big Ten's number. So that's going to be tough. Um, and then obviously they got to play Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, uh, Nebraska, Iowa. And then they, they end the season at Wisconsin. So there are some games in there that could be difficult for them. But again, I think if they reload that defense to the same capacity, if not better than what it was last year, and Muhammad Ibrahim comes in, stays healthy, and lights it up, I could see Minnesota being in the Big Ten Championship game this season. I mean, they very well could be. Again, like you said, I mean, they'll have to get through that Colorado game, you know you know, the non-conference, but I mean, still, they got to get through Michigan State, Purdue, Penn State, but again, I very well could see them making the, you know, the biggest jump too, but again, they were in that, I think they won nine games last year, so I was more conservative, because I just don't know how much more they'll grow, because I don't think Minnesota is going to be a 11-win team, or certainly not a 12-win team. Um, And and that's that's the thing with them being in the West, though, is they don't have to be a 10-plus win team. They don't have to win double digits to make the Big Ten Championship game because, again, you look at that West, it's just so cluttered with average teams. I mean, Wisconsin, we don't know what they're going to be like because Graham Ertz, yes, he has flashes, but then he also has flashes of what the hell are you doing? Right. Um, I think Purdue, talked a little bit about them earlier, they lost quite a few guys. Um both on the offense and defense, it's going to hurt. I mean, you don't have David Bell anymore. He's gone to the NFL. Um, I just I just don't know how well that Purdue's going to be able to put numbers up this year. Iowa, again, Iowa, in my opinion, is going to take the biggest jump back. So with all of that in mind, I think that sets up the, the table for Minnesota to be pretty good this year. I mean, they could win that division with nine, eight wins maybe. It's just all going to depend on the game. One of the biggest games to watch for the Big Ten this year, especially on the West side, is is that last game of the season with Minnesota and Wisconsin. Because those two teams very well could be fighting for um, a spot in the Big Ten Championship game. So, Rayson, we talked about, you know, who's going to take the setbacks and who's going to take, you know, the biggest leap forwards. But now let's talk about something that we always don't want to talk about, but the hot seat, the hot seat landscape there in the Big Ten. Who do you think is in the biggest okay. hot seat right now? Excuse me. Um, I think that there's really only one coach who is somewhat notable. In the, in, in the biggest hot seat. Because, I mean, you can look at, like, Illinois and, and um, uh, Rutgers, teams like those. You can look at those guys and be like, okay, you know, we don't expect much anyway. But a team that ha- was, was so great back in the 80s, 90s, and then early 2000s that has just really faltered 
is Nebraska. I think Scott Frost, this is a make it or make or break a year for him. If he doesn't do well, if he finishes 500 or worse, I think he's gone. He has not done well at Nebraska. He has, he said he had one season in a, where he looked like he could be the answer, faltered there towards the end of the season, and then he just never regained that momentum that he had. So, again, I think if, if Scott Frost and Nebraska finish it, yeah. Maybe even maybe even a little over five hundred. Maybe one game above five hundred. If he finishes below that, he's gone. Yeah, I, I yeah. I it's not it's definitely Scott Frost and he took over Nebraska in two thousand eighteen. And here are his records since two thousand eighteen. Four and eight, five and seven, three and five, and three and nine. I haven't made a single bowl game since his time in Nebraska. It's Nebraska. And granted, with all the landscapes and NIL and whatnot, people say Nebraska's not going to be able to get back to what they were in the late 80s, you know, the 90s. But it's Nebraska, and you can't win six games? I mean, six games. I mean, you're talking about – I mean, you you just gave an excellent point. If he, There's one season where he looked like he could be the guy. Well, that one season still got him five wins. He, If he doesn't have a remarkable jump, I think he's out the door. Because the Nebraska fan base, I mean, literally, there was they had to be bailed out a lot of times last year just to keep their home sellout streak going. Um, that's a red flag in, in Lincoln. So it's just going to get worse, I think. I mean, if you look at that schedule, I mean, they start out with Nebraska uh, Northwestern, and then they have, I think they play North Dakota, so that's a win, right? But then, then you go Georgia Southern. Hey, I'm not putting it past Georgia Southern. I hate to say it. But then you got Oklahoma. You have Oklahoma, Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Iowa. Outside of Illinois, and the only reason I say Illinois is because they're having a new head coach because Lovey Smith has taken the Houston job in the NFL. Is there any game you look out and say, man, Nebraska's a shoe win? Like, there's not one game on that schedule I'd feel comfortable even betting a McChicken on that they would win. No, it, it's, it, it's going to be tough for, for Nebraska this year. I mean, the only thing they have going for them right now is that they got um, Casey Thompson, quarterback transfer from uh, Texas. And he threw 24 touchdowns last year. But do they have the receiving core? I don't know if they do. I mean, Omar Manning and Trey Palmer, they're, they're not awful, but again, they're, they're not up to the level of some of these other receivers you see in the Big Ten. Uh, and, and then you look at the defensive side, they had some some other um, transfers come in, really nobody notable, but I mean, they, they, they lost three uh, secondary starters, including... Cam Taylor Britt was all Big Ten quarterback last year. Well, I mean, the only good thing they had for, going for him was Adrian Martinez last year. Um, he's coming back. And he's gone. I think he's coming back. I I thought I thought he was gone. I mean, uh, I'll, I'll look it up. No, I mean, they still have him listed on ESPN on, on Nebraska. So, yeah, I mean, but if they lose to Martinez, that's a huge blow. I mean, he accounted for a lot of their offense. 
I mean, he actually led the team no, rushing last year. Adrian Martinez transferred. He went to Kansas State. Oh, so they can't even keep Martinez. Yeah, they're they're gonna be terrible. Because their next backup, yeah. their backup was Logan Smothers, who attempted 33 passes for 317 yards, um, zero touchdowns, one interceptions. Had a average of 9.6, though. I mean, but again, such a small sample size. The the the, the experience factor is really going to play into that if he is their starter. So again, question mark in Nebraska when it comes to the quarterback situation, but. Yeah, I mean, it's not looking good for Scott Frost. Now, so, again, they, they did bring in transfer uh, Casey Thompson from Texas, who, who looked fairly decent last year for Texas standards at this point. Um, so, again, that's really the only thing he has that Nebraska has going for him. Um Again, I don't know if I see Nebraska having over four wins this year. I don't either. I, I mean, I'm I'm thinking that three to four range for Nebraska when it comes to when it comes to their final win total there. At, when we look back at the end of the season, but let's go ahead and look at the uh, the the overall scope of the Big Ten. Give me who you think is going to win the Big Ten East and who you think is going to win the Big Ten West, and then we'll dive into the title game after we do that. Um, so the West, I, I, I do think it'll be Minnesota. I mean, I talked on them earlier having the biggest jumps. So, and then I think it'll be Ohio State out of the East. I mean, Ohio State's coming back this year. They only lost two games last year, the early loss to Oregon, and then obviously the, the end of the season game with, with Michigan. I just think that now that they are all in rhythm, all in tune together, I mean, that, that, that Oregon game was Stroud's second-ever college start and going up against a team who has won the Pac-12 a few times in recent memory. Um, it wasn't going to be easy for him. And then that last game of the season against Michigan, Michigan just they just outplayed Ohio State. But I think, again, this year, you know, Ohio State's they're, they're, they're ready to roll. They have a whole, a whole new defensive scheme with uh, Jim Knowles coming in. I just think it's going to be Ohio State, Minnesota. So I agree with you with Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to reclaim the Big Ten East. I think there's too much talent. C.J. Stroud's by far the best quarterback in that division. Um, he's the best quarterback in the Big Ten. I think Matt, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigbutt's going to continue to prove why he's going to be a first-round draft pick. I really am curious to see what Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do. I think he really shined in that Rose Bowl game. Um, so I'm really curious to see what he's going to do in more of a full-time role when it comes to getting more reps on Saturday afternoons. Um, defense, Jim yeah. Knowles was a top-five defensive coordinator last year. He, he Look at that, what that Oklahoma State defense did. In fact, if it wasn't for them blowing it in the last game of the season, they might have been in the playoffs last year instead of, you know, who whoever. They were, they were seriously in playoff contention at that time. So I'm really curious to see what Jim Knowles is going to do there. Um, but the real conversation yep. is the Big Ten West. I hear you, Minnesota, and I can very well see that happening. But I'm going to go a little bit more at left field. I think Wisconsin is going to step up this year and take the Big Ten West. Um, the Big Ten West has kind of been this revolving door, like you said, between the same four teams over and over and over again. So I think it's time for Wisconsin to get out, enjoy the sunshine, and, and, and get the fruits of the prosper there. Um, I, I, I think 
if I remember, if I my research leads me correctly, I still think that they have their quarterback coming back. They're going to have to reestablish the run game. They that's what Wisconsin's always been known for. So I think they're going to get back to the basics. And plus, I like what their schedule layout is. Their schedule layout's not that horrible. They play Ohio State pretty early in the season. I think week four. So after that, if even if you lose that ball game, you still have a lot of room to work with. You still got Illinois to bounce back. Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. That's actually a nice layout if you're Wisconsin because then you can start putting some wins together after a potential loss to OSU and then really end the season strong. And then that Minnesota game, you know, Minnesota, that might be the, the clincher. So I I think that's why I'm leaning toward Wisconsin is the, the way their schedule kind of lays out for them. Okay. And I'm not saying that, that they can't. I mean, again, obviously the West is the West, so anything can happen out there. Um, yeah, Graham Mertz is coming back. Uh, he just has to be on his A game pretty much all season. And maybe maybe have a B game here and there against teams that you can have a, a B game against. But I think in order for them to, to make back to the Big Ten Championship game, that he has to be on his A game all season. So I think me and you have a, the same answer here, but I think it's safe to say that we both think Ohio State's winning the conference this year. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. If they don't win, I, I'm, let's kind of spice it up here. Let's say they somehow don't win the conference. What's the state? Uh, what's I mean? Uh, what is the reaction going to be like? Uh, you, you, and I will no longer be doing this this show. <laughs> I I will have have moved on. And uh, I will never watch college football again. I mean, that's kind of what it's like. like. That sounds really absurd. But, man, if they don't win it this year, like, I get it. You can't win it every year. It's But Ohio State fans and Ohio State has a certain standard. And this Big Ten conference this year, as big as the unknown it is, I think if you go around asking people that, you know, who watched the Big Ten but, you know, even who are diehard Big Ten fans, they're going to say, yeah, this is going to be Ohio State should walk through this year. Because Michigan, yeah. I don't think it's going to be the same team. Because really, if you look at Michigan, what got them to the dance? The great the great rushing attack and the defense. That defense looks is going to look completely different because their best edge rushers are gone. And the run game, Hassan Haskins, granted, I think I forget, I'm blanking on the guy who with the tandem with. I'm blanking on his name, and I do apologize. But Hassan Haskins was the guy to lead that the uh, the charge there on the ground. So it's going to be really interesting to see what Jim Harbaugh does this season. But yeah, I think if the Ohio State doesn't win this year, it's going to be I I'm going to go. I don't know. I think you have better odds meeting the two fairy in person in the flesh, eating lunch with the person, the two fairy, than Ohio State not winning the Big Ten this year. No, I, I absolutely agree with you on that one. So, Rayson, as we're wrapping things up here on the Big Ten preview show, I mean, what is one – I'm going to leave the floor to you. You're the Big Ten guy. Um, what is one comment that you want to make about the Big Ten before we wrap things up? Um, there's not much of a comment I can really think of. Um, I mean, I think you said it best. Ohio State's just going to – and they're not going to have a cakewalk this year. Obviously, you can't go into the season thinking that. But 
I think it's time for Ohio State to get back to where they were at. Now, only a two-loss season last year, that's still a good season, but Ohio State standards need to be, you have to be in that Big Ten championship game every year. You have to win it every year. And I I think, I don't know, I I don't know how many undefeated teams there are going to be this year in in, in college football entirely. But I, I can probably look at two, maybe three, and say they're going to be undefeated this season. I think Ohio State's going to be one of them. Yeah, really, their toughest matchup. I mean, Michigan's always going to be tough because it's that big rivalry yep. game. But yep. Michigan State, I mean, if they can, I mean, Mel Tucker has them going the right direction. And then Notre Dame, non conference game, but those are three biggest games. Ohio State, they, they torched Michigan State last year, too. So, I mean, if that tells you anything about how how much Ohio State, how much they can improve if they torched them last year, what are they going to do to them this year? I mean, that, that that brings a good question. But, you know, teams learn from the previous year's film and stuff. So, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. <laughs> they do. But until then, Raceland, that will wrap up what the Big Ten preview show and the next time we get together, we're going to be talking about the SEC. There's a lot of things going on in the SEC as well as we talk about the Oklahoma merger going. Trans Oklahoma and Texas leaving for the Big 12 for the SEC, uh, I believe, starting in 2025. Um, I believe. I could be wrong, but we'll get the for sure number when we record that one. But again, they're in the news still. Alabama, Georgia, still the top dogs in the in the country, especially after that national championship win for Georgia. Alabama, one year removed out of the national championship game, as they always are, it seems like. Um, so I'm excited to dive into that because there's a lot of interesting storylines in the SEC going into this year. But until then, that was Raceland. I am James, and thank you for listening to your favorite football podcast.